Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Good morning, Renaissance Church. How are we doing? Good. Um, So I don't know about you, but the churches that I grew up in, there'd always be one Sunday out of the year where they kind of like reminded everybody that the youth pastor still existed. Um, And so this kind of feels shockingly similar to this where, you know, if your kid's not in youth, you would forget he existed. And you're like, hey, there's the one Sunday a year where he still exists. So I still exist, um, and I'm excited to be speaking with us today. Uh, and when Chris texted me and said, hey, uh, you want to you wanna speak, my first thought was, why? Uh, <laughs> my first thought was, why would you want someone like me? And I began to go back through my head of all my mistakes, all my faults, all my flaws, all my fears, everything that would possibly prevent me from coming up here today, and that's when it hit me that none of us are deserving to carry the message of the gospel that we have today. The ability to carry the message of the gospel is a privilege granted to us by God himself through the topic of today, through grace. Um, So grace, as they define it, is this unmerited gift, like it's something that you get that you did not put any effort into earning. Uh, I was texting with a friend this week, and I was telling him about this topic, and he gave me this acronym. He said, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense, which means there was nothing that we did to earn our position, to earn our standing at the cross. There's nothing, there's nothing we could possibly do. Um, and so I want to take us back in a little bit of history. You might have heard this one before, but there were two people in a garden uh, one time, long time ago, and the names were Adam and Eve, and they had everything that they needed to live in this perfect, amazing relationship with God. There was no need, there was no fault, there was no flaw with that. You know, the Bible tells us that they walked in the garden with them. God walked in the garden with them, and Yet something happened that shifted that position and affected the rest of history, the rest of humanity. Um, They were tempted by something that they already had. See, the Bible tells us that we were made in the image of God, which means God was like, I'm going to make you in my image. That's what it means. Like We had everything we needed to be in perfect holy, blameless relationship with Christ at the very beginning, with God at the very beginning. And yet we were tempted by something that we already had. So the story goes, and the Bible goes, that the serpent came along and um, he said, hey, 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 you know, those, you know those two trees that God told you not to eat off of? Yeah, just, just go ahead. You're going to become like him. Like that's, he doesn't want you to be like him. Just go ahead and eat them. And that's where the temptation came in. That's where the temptation came in because the reality is that we were already like God. And what happened when Adam and Eve ate the fruit 
is in their striving to become more like God, they actually had the opposite effect of what they wanted. It was the opposite intention. They said, all right, cool, we're going to do this. We're going to become like God. And so through their disobedience and striving, the opposite happened. There is a shift in the relationship. There is a huge cutoff in the relationship. And they were cast out of the garden, cast out of this perfect, intimate relationship with Christ. And we have to live in the tension with that in today's world. And the tension is that nothing you or I do affects our standing or God's favor towards us. There's nothing we can do and there's nothing we have done that'll make God say, oh, yeah, cool, you get a, you get a free pass. All right. We're all going to stand before God on judgment day and he's not going to look over our list of deeds and say, oh, you got an A in math, good. Uh, oh, but you, you, know, you didn't give $20 to that person that one time that needed it, so uh, that's going to count you out. All right. And then he's not going to go, okay, you fed the homeless, you gave money, oh, you got... A's in math and English, very good. Uh, there's not going to be a list or a checklist that we can do that's going to, you know, change God's status. The fact remains is that without grace, without the blood of Christ, there's no access. There's no access. And so, uh, kind of starting off today, I want to talk about how grace is the opposite of human nature. I don't know if you guys do this, but um, when, you know, when you help somebody move and you provide the labor, the expectation at the end of it is that the movee, the person who's like moving, you know, changing apartments, kind of provides pizza or something for everyone, right? There's this expectation that's set up automatically in human nature where you say, oh, they're doing something for me. Let me, you know, let me remedy the situation right here. That way we're all square. We're all even. We're all good. Or, you know, when holidays are coming around, and so you're kind of already thinking, okay, what am I going to get that person for Christmas? Because I know, I know what they got me last year, and it wasn't that great. So do I want to match the level of gift they gave me, or do I want to, you know, try to subtly hint to them Last year's gift wasn't it, like bump it up this year, you know? So in the human condition, in human nature, we have all these, you know, conditions and all these things that fly in the face of grace. We're always trying to match somebody and equate somebody because the reality is we miss the fact that we were made in the image of God. And when that shattered our relationship with him, we started scrambling to create these little K kingdoms around us where, you know, we have this, I've got my car, I've got my house, I've got a uh, relationship, I've got status, everything is good. I'm, I'm controlling it all. I'm controlling it all. And I've, I've earned this. I've worked for this. I've got it. I've got it. And the reality is grace isn't that. Grace is the ability to humble yourself before God and say, I've got nothing. I have absolutely nothing. And so there's two types of people that uh, grace affects differently. The first, uh, it hurts to talk about it because it's me as a person. Um, type one, one type of person is they know grace 
in their head exists, but it hasn't quite made it to the heart all the time. And so we know there's grace. We know that, okay, I'm covered, cool. Whatever I did last week, months ago, when I was 12, it's all covered. But the hard part is what I call convincing our head knowledge to follow and our heart knowledge rather to come in line with our head knowledge. And so type one says, I am so messed up. I'm so messed up. There's no way that grace could apply or even help someone like me. I'm never going to be all right with God, so why, why try, you know? I'm just going to do what I can, do what I can, do what I can, and maybe at the end of the day, God's going to tolerate me. It's going to be okay. He's just going to let me slide in. Um, so I teach seventh grade English at Lamar Junior High, and um, I kind of use that analogy to say, you know, there's a lot of kids who just want that 70. And 70 in the state of Texas is passing. You know, if I have a 64, they're like, hey, mister, what can I do? I'm like, well, you can redo this assignment because you didn't do it. You can redo this assignment because you didn't do it. You did well on that one, but they're just trying to hit that level. They're just trying to go to that 70. And a lot of times we live in that. Subconsciously, it's like, all right, if I, if I pray enough, if I go to church enough, if I attend Wednesday night things enough, if I you know, do X, Y, Z, that might bump me up and I might just slide in past the cutoff. I might just get there in time. And then the other person, the other type, type two, says, you know, I've never really screwed up that bad. You know, I've gone to church all my life. I've prayed every day. I've, um, I've given to the poor. I've helped. I'm good. I'm golden, right? There's, when, I, when I reach the pearly gates, like, it's going to be fantastic. I'm just, I'm just going to slide in. But the problem is, is that both of those fly in the face of grace because they both don't recognize that grace is essential and grace is needed. Or rather, one recognizes that grace is essential and is needed, but doesn't believe it's powerful enough. And then one doesn't recognize its power or that it's essential or it's needed. And so we have to live in this tension. And humanity is so, again, humanity is so uncomfortable with grace because it means fully giving in. And we don't like that, right? Going back to the very beginning, we tried to create a little cake kingdom in the garden by eating the apple, saying, oh, heck yeah, man. Let's do this. Let's take this apple. Let's eat it. Let's eat the fruit. This is going to be good. We're going to be strong. We're going to be big. We're going to be massive. And we see it over and over and over and over throughout biblical history. We see it over and over and over throughout his biblical history where we've, we've tried to attain to certain levels and certain points and God says, no, 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 that's, that's not it. That's not what I want you to do. That's, that's not what I want you to do. I don't want you to try and become something because we already were something so special. We were already beloved by God in the very beginning. And so we live in this tension of how do I deal with grace? Whether you're the type one like me who says, man, I'll, I'll never get it together. Grace, golly, grace is just so. Or you're type two, where it says, I'm good, I don't, I don't need grace. 
And so we look to the scriptures for answers. I'm going to read one for us real quick. It's Romans 5, 6 through 11. It says, For while we were still sinners at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps some might even dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. And so the Bible says, grace is available. It's accessible because of what Christ did on the cross. Not our striving, not our earning, not our good works, not our good deeds. Clearly states the passage, we're all gonna stand, again, we're all gonna stand at that judgment day and have to look God in the eye and account for everything we did. And if you've put your faith in Christ, he's gonna look at you and you say, you're golden. That's what makes you golden. Not our works, not our efforts, not our strivings, not going to church five times a week, you know, not going to church 52 times a year, hitting every Sunday or Wednesday, whatever's imaginable. But even sometimes we don't fully live in that truth. And we begin to reject grace and we essentially begin to reject God because to reject grace is to reject God's gift. All right. So uh, this week in school, we've been teaching on arguments. And in arguments, you have two points of view. You have a subjective point of view, which is an opinion. Um, I think this political party is the best, or I think this political party is the best, or I put mayo on my stuff, and you should totally put mayo on your sandwiches, or no, you're never going to convince me to put mayo on anything. Uh, It's disgusting, right? Those are your subjective points of views. Those are your personal opinions. And then you have to back up that opinion with something that we call objective points of view, right? And those are facts, stuff proven, right? Those are facts. And so, you know, The sun is hot. That is a fact. It's very hot. It will blind you if you stare at it. That is also a fact. So please don't stare at the sun. Um, The sky is blue. Fact. I used this one with my kids this week. Gravity will always work, right? Gravity is a truth. It's something that you can't dispute. And if we are to be believers and we are to put our faith in Christ, that means there's one thing that we cannot dispute. And that is the fact that Christ died for you and I. He died on the cross for you and I. And when we reject grace, it's essentially we look at Christ. The two types of people look at Christ on the cross. And type one says, look, man, I see you're suffering, but that's not going to do enough for me. There's no way what you're doing right now is ever going to be enough to atone for what I've done which flies in the face of the cross. And then you have type two who looks at the cross and says, 
I see what you're doing, but I'm good. I don't need it. Right? Both of those types of people, us, humanity, look at the cross and reject it. Reject the gift that is the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The passage says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly. In my life, I've had to come to grips with grace because it's uncomfortable for me. And I remember there were several times, especially one in college, um, where I would have people say, you can't crucify yourself, right? Even if you, you know, took both of your legs, hammered in, you know, took the other arm, hammered it in, you're still left with the one arm that's not hammered in because you can't crucify yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't make yourself good enough. And I've, I've come to grips because there were so many times where I was like, God, if you just like smite me, it'll all be over. It'll all be good. I won't have to worry about this anymore. It'll, it'll be good. Like just like, give, me, give me what I deserve right now. Give me what I deserve right now because I deserve death, right? Bible explicitly states that we have all fallen short and we deserve death. But grace and the unmerited gift of God is life, and not just life, but life abundantly. Where there is an abundance, there is an overflow, there is a plethora of life to be lived, to be enjoyed, to rejoice in. And so many times we'll come to the point where just, God, give give me what I deserve and we'll be okay. That's it. Give me what I deserve and it'll, it'll be fine. But the reality is that even if he smited all of us right now, and we all spent an eternity in hell, we, we still wouldn't make it to the pearly gates. Like that exchange doesn't work. We can't crucify ourselves, we can't punish ourselves, we can't work ourselves into a state where we reach perfect relationship with Christ. There's a judgment day coming and no good deed is going to help us squeak by. And it's the uncomfortable truth still that we can't do anything. But there's hope. It says, for at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Which means the Savior of the world who is up here saw us down at the floor and said, I need to act on their behalf. Something needs to be done to save the people that I love, to save the creation that I love. And so we need to understand that grace was always the plan. There was no plan B, plan C, all the way through the alpha. Grace was plan A from the very beginning. And we see this in the very beginning. When Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, they weren't just, you know, chucked out like an old shoe and said, all right, get out of here. I don't need you anymore, right? No, God in his mercy, God in his grace covered them with clothing. 
There was a sacrifice that took place to cover them, which foreshadows the coming of Jesus and his sacrifice to cover us. God's not saying, become like me. God's just saying, be my son, be my daughter. Accept what's already been given to you. Accept it. And that's where we get hung up. As I've said before, that's where we get hung up. It doesn't feel good, doesn't feel nice, doesn't feel right. Um, But one of my favorite bands of all time, Reliant K, uh, they have a line in one of their songs is that the beauty of grace is that it makes life unfair. And church, it is unfair that we get to live a life because the Savior of the world died for us. What's fair is what we talked about earlier is getting what we deserve, that death, that punishment, that eternal condemnation. But God said, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you something you're undeserving of. I'm going to give you me because I love you that immensely, that intensely. He wanted to give himself to us. And he did so by sending his son to the cross to die for us. And so we go back to the two types of people and the two types of people still, type one still says, no, 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 nothing that you do is, is gonna atone. He says, nothing that you do is gonna atone. And God looks at us, that type of person, and says, everything I've done atones for everything you've done. And what that person doesn't always realize is that God gets the glory through previous, through previous faults, failures, fears, sins. Because God takes that person or that event, that broken instance, and he redeems himself through it. And he redeems you through it. Right? Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And then type two looks at the cross and again says, I don't need it. And to that person, God would say, yes. Yes, you do. Just open your heart a little bit and recognize that. And when we begin to open our hearts and recognize that grace is everything we need, It's a beautiful moment. It frees you. Last week, Jason talked about living an unhindered life. And grace is one of the first steps you take to living that unhindered life. Because without grace, you're still bogged down with the weight of, you know, trying and striving and trying to get somewhere while all this stuff is just dragging you and you can't hardly move. Whether you're type one or type two, type one, you're tied down by your past and you're trying to drag everything with you to make atonements for it. Type two, you're tied down by your future 
and you're trying to build your kingdom and make sure everything, but you're still carrying the weight of the world on you. It's just on your shoulders and you're not dragging it behind you. But the undeserved luxury of grace must become the standard in the believer's life. When we operate from a place of grace, we understand who we are to God and what he's done, and the shackles fall off. We are freed from the past. We've been thinking about that this morning. We are freed from everything that has gone on. We are freed from the future. We are freed from everything that will happen, everything that we're uncertain of, everything that the maybe, the could be, would be, I don't knows. We're freed from that. And when we step into grace, when we slide into grace, we're able to live so freely. We're able to enjoy life and life abundantly. Grace was always the plan for humanity. And this morning you may be resonating with something and it may feel uncomfortable, but that uncomfort is where change comes. That uncomfort is where growth and a shift happens. And so if you're, this morning, if you're uncomfortable, I would ask you to open your heart to the moment. Open your heart to God and allow Him to speak to that point or that part of you that's uncomfortable. Whether you're the type of person who's been holding on to their past so tightly that they can't let go and it's been bogging them down for years, or you're the type of person who's so fixated on the future that you can't see what's clearly in front of you. You can't see what's here. Grace is the conduit that leads to an unhindered life. So instead, church, today I'm gonna ask us to not reject grace and don't reject God out of fear or pride or insecurity. Instead, I'm going to ask us to run to him, to run to the cross, accept the blood that was shed for you that saves us. The Bible tells us we are saved by grace through faith. To put your faith in the sacrifice of Christ to know that it's enough for the past, it's enough for the moment, and it's enough for the future. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.